0: I want to start by just reading the text together, and then we'll 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 dive in. Psalm 16 is a miktam or miktam of David, which is a, a either a poetic or lyrical phrase or word. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, You're my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup, and you hold my lot. The lions have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a Beautiful inheritance, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you'll not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Uh, I remember my story growing up. I had a, I'm so grateful for it. you can look back on your past and be really grateful. Sometimes you're grateful because the Lord rescued you from some really broken things. And sometimes you get to look back and you go, Man, you were watching out for me, Lord, and covering me and caring for me in ways that I couldn't even see. And I had the privilege of being born into a family that loved and hungered after the Lord. They were going after God, they were taking us to church. I remember, not that I always loved it. Uh, I remember on many, many Sunday mornings, still pretending to be asleep still, in hopes that mom and dad would not wake us up and take us to church. So I'm just being real clear, my eight-year-old self needed help. Uh, but, but either way, my parents had us in church and that uh, as I started to get into youth group, and I was simply going to youth group because there were so many pretty girls there. So I'm just being full real with you, all right? Pretty girls said, let's go to church, we go, go to youth group, had some crushes, and somehow, through my idiocy, the Lord got a hold of me. And he gripped my heart. I'm 13, 14 years old, and I, it's all, and it's the light bulb came on, and it was clear, I'm a sinner, and I need a savior. And uh, I'm grateful for that upbringing, and from that moment, I really wanted to then make the Lord happy. I wanted to live my life unto the Lord, and I'm so I'm I was deeply involved in my youth group and we spent so much time, and every time we were doing something, I was there. In fact, my parents actually, we were just on vacation with my parents a couple of weeks ago, and they were telling a story to my kids that I had uh, one night. I didn't communicate very well. I was like 16 or 17. And I was hanging out with my church friends. I did not communicate very well that night with my parents because there were no cell phones. And so uh, I, I forgot to tell them that I wasn't going to come home that night, that I was going to stay out with my friend, and I didn't call them and tell them that I was, because there were some not confusion about the plans. And so uh, when I, I didn't come home late and I didn't show up, they, my parents were, well, after they were glad that I was alive, then they were angry, wanted to destroy my life. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, so they said, listen, it, I was, we were about to go to s- summer camp and they were gonna have a big rally the night before we left for summer camp and I was grounded from church. <laughs> All right, that's my life. Grounded from church. I didn't get to go to the rally before because I had not communicated with my parents very well. This is the life that, by the grace of God, that I had. It's fun. It's amazing. But something was off in that time. Because I was, like, so dedicated to, like, living for the Lord and giving my life to Him and walking with Him. But something was in me that said, listen, my life, I've got to do great things for God. I want to do great things for God. And I think that the heart was okay and the idea was there, but there was a, there's a problem with that thought because we're not being invited by God to do great things for him. We're being asked of the Lord to do things for a great God. And those are two dramatically, radically different things. You can throw that up on the screen. We're not being asked by the Lord to do great things for God. We're actually just being asked to come do things with and for a great God. And where you put great says everything about your life because what happens is when you're trying to do great things for God, all of a sudden what you find, you you, you looking through the lens of performance. Because when you want to do great things for God, then life is all about me. What am I doing? What am I accomplishing? How well am I doing? How well, uh, am I doing well as a husband? Am I doing well as a father? Am I doing all the right things? Am I a good preacher? Am I a good pastor? Am I doing all the great things? And making sure that all those things stack up and level up. Uh, In my life. But if you're doing great things, if you do things for a great God, then all of a sudden the greatness is actually just about Him. And what's powerful is you can be in the middle of anything, doing anything and being with a great God. Because the truth is this some of us are maybe all of us are at times gonna get an opportunity to do some what seem like really great big things. It seems awesome. Maybe when I say great things, meaning great things in the eyes of the world. He did something spectacular and everybody thinks it's fascinating and that somehow becomes how we define the scope of our lives. But the vast majority of our lives are actually just really small and mundane things we do all the time. They don't look so great to the world. And when we don't have a whole lot of I'm doing great things, all of a sudden we start to look at our life and we go, gosh, I don't know that I'm very much. And the easiest thing in the world to do is jump on your phone and look at everyone else's life on social media, and somehow everyone else out there besides you is just killing it, right? And you're just going, I don't have much great, or at least not in the eyes of the world. And the Lord is wanting to wave his hands. And if he could, I think, grab us by our faces, or childlike, if you will, faces and say, listen, son, daughter, I'm not asking you to do great things for me. I'm asking you to do things in my greatness with me. I'm great. Greatness is not defined by the scope of what we do. Greatness is actually defined by the one with whom we're doing it. The greatness is not about the scope or the size of what you're doing in your life. It actually is measured in the person with which you and I live under and interact with and call a God of the universe. It's important to remember because tonight, at some point in time, moms and dads, you're gonna have to decide what you're doing for dinner. You can't get away from it. I calculated this out, I'm just, if you're 35, some of you are gonna be further than that, some of you before that. But if you're 35, uh, you've spent 17 years of your life outside of your parents' house, which means, roughly, you've had 6,200 decisions of what you're gonna do for dinner. (laughs) And it just is a beatdown. let's just be honest. And so you're gonna come to Sunday night dinner and you're gonna have to decide, am I gonna make something? or maybe we just need to reheat the casserole, right? And all of a sudden, nothing. life just for a moment doesn't th- seem that great. You're just looking at this cold mac and cheese thing in the glass dish and just like, what is my life? And the, here's what's amazing. If you get to flip, not doing great things for God, but just doing things for a great God, then all of a sudden, when you're with a great God, you can reheat mac and cheese and find glory. <laughs> Listen, because he's with you, because he's there, because he's present, because he's good. And you can be reheating or doing whatever you do and you can have a real dialogue. God, thank you for providing for me and covering me and being with me and caring for me and forgiving me. And all of a sudden you can be in the most mundane thing of your whole life. But you have the God of the universe walking with you. And he's giving you his goodness and greatness and you can even... Like our worship pastor said this morning, remember, I'm here making the most mundane, horrible meal ever. And I am a kingdom of priests. I'm a holy nation. I'm a royal priesthood. I, this is who I am now. And all of a sudden, the greatness of God changes everything. This is what this psalm began to do in my life. Because I was 21 and 22 and 23. And I was a little disillusioned because I couldn't make God happy enough. I was spinning my wheels. I'd given my life. I'd already told him at the age of 15 I was gonna do full-time ministry, giving, you know, Bennett's camp, you know. They're asking for people to either get saved or give their life to the ministry. I don't know. You guys that grew up, if you, did, you grew up in youth group, you know, that, that was the call. You're gonna, get, you're gonna come to camp. You're gonna get saved. You're gonna give your life to the ministry, all right? This is the pinnacle, I said, I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it all, Lord. I'm going to do it. But the problem is, is I was angry all the time. (laughs) Just, I'm 21, 22, 23, trying to live for God, and I'm angry because inevitably, I've got a whole bunch of judgment for those that aren't living for God like I am. And truthfully, in all my righteousness, I knew I was really broken. And I'm trying to live for the Lord, but the truth is, is I was as messed up as anyone else and just so desperately in need of a savior. So when you get to come to a Psalm like Psalm 16, all of a sudden the Lord wants to take our world and flip it upside down. And he says, this is what David says, God, you're where I take refuge. And I say to you, you are my Lord and I have no good apart from you, meaning you are my good. You are my good. That was the revolution, beginning of the revolution for me in those formative years. Something began to change for me when I began to see God as the, he's the answer. He's not just trying to get me to a place where I've accomplished the great things for him because it's not my record and it's not my righteousness and it's not about my ministry. None of those things will satisfy this longing in the heart for greatness. He's my good. And so the temptation is always there to try to do great things. And here's what happens is when you try to do things for the Lord or, live in a way where you can show up and say, God, I did my job or I did my part. And when it's about you, is you inevitably end up living like an imposter. Or you could ask my wife, we've been married. She knows me 18 years. She can tell when I'm trying to act like I've got it all together, she can just wave the flag, sweetheart. Because I like to act like a good husband and a good father and a good pastor. But let me tell you, if those are the Merits by which I get to measure my life, I've infinitely fallen short in all of those things. But if God is my good, if He's my good, not my record, not my ministry, not my righteousness, but if He is my good, then all of a sudden all of the imposter garbage gets to melt away, and what is left is a real authentic, meaningful, powerful, life-giving relationship with the one who can cover me in righteousness. He gives me his record. He gives me his goodness. He gives me his glory. And I get to walk. And no longer am I good enough this and am I good enough that and is my record here okay? It's no longer that. I get to come into the goodness of God and let him wash over me He says in verse five, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. God is my chosen. God is my chosen portion. He's my cup. There are so many things for us to choose from In order to find worth and value and significance and glory and joy and peace, and we can search and search, and there's so many great things out there. And David's caught the answer. His heart got flipped upside down. I thank you, God, for the blessings, but you are my portion, my cup. What does it mean when he says, You hold my lot? He's talking about is in the very next line, inheritance. I have a beautiful inheritance. He's saying, listen, uh, inheritances are often, were often distributed through lots among family members, among tribes. You see it in Numbers in Joshua. It's like drawing straws. A lot was like drawing straws. And David said, God, you hold my lot. We actually, uh, you say the phrase all the time, that, that's my lot in life. You ever said that phrase before? Or heard that phrase before, ah, oh, that's just my lot in life. What do we mean? We don't mean like lot as in your half acre, right? What does it mean? It's like, ah, oh, this is my circumstance. And what David is saying is, you hold all my circumstances, you have them all that's what God gets to hold. You decide my fortune. You set my circumstances. You decide my place, my times, my inheritance. You govern my life, which is the same thing he's saying in there in verse two. You are my Lord. You're my Lord and my good. You have it all. This whole life is actually about you. And who you are and what you're doing. It's what it means for you to be Lord of my life. You govern my life. You hold my lot. You allot my inheritance. I'm in your hands. And he says, you, my chosen portion, my cup, are my good. And it spells out what that lot actually is. He says in verse six, says, the lines have fallen from me in pleasant, Places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. The lines, the borders of my life that God has given me are beautiful. My future with God, my inheritance is a beautiful, rich inheritance. What if you even find yourself, though, in a place where your circumstances aren't great? What, what if you don't like your lot? That's the invitation, I think, from the psalm here is... You and I are actually being invited to find more joy in God than any lot we could possibly have. My lot revolves more around, hear this, the greatness of God than any of my own greatness. I've often thought about Paul, who's... Writing to the Philippian church, he's actually in prison. He got arrested in Jerusalem. He's taken over to Rome. Spends more than two years in prison, and it makes for an amazing narrative in the book. And I think it would make an incredible story in a movie. But his lot is prison, and if you and I were in that place, I think we might It be, you'd be tempted to go, this lot stinks. (laughs) Don't, I don't want this lot. You might even be in a moment in your life where you're going like, I don't, it doesn't feel like my lot is good. What's going on? How is David saying my lot is beautiful when there are times even for David his lot wasn't so beautiful? Paul certainly feels that way in Philippians chapter 1. He knows what his lot is and he says this in Philippians 1 verse 12. I want you to know brothers that what has happened to me has really st- served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Here's what he's saying is my lot is God so that if I'm in prison, I still glory in it. I can find myself in circumstances that I wouldn't you know, run and skip and be happy about. But when your lot is God, then you can find yourself in painful even, disappointing, frustrating circumstances and be held. And that's where Paul's at. And candidly, that's where I wanna live and be. It actually has to be about God, not what I do for God. Not what I don't do or fall short in. My lot is Him. He's, 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 the, he's the goal and the journey. He's the destination and the day-to-day. There is a cost. Hear this. There is a cost to following the Lord, the only way the cost is nothing is when God is your lot. I'll say it again. There is a cost to following the Lord, especially in these days. And I feel quite certain that my, my parents' generation and the generation before that would all say, the world's in chaos right now. In fact, I'm pretty sure they were preaching that in the 20s. And I'm pretty sure they've been, they've been preaching. It's been, been being preached for 2,000 years. The world's in chaos there is a cost of following the Lord and doing things his way and trusting his ideas for our lives. But the cost becomes nothing when he is the treasure, when he's your lot, when he's your lot. And I think that's the main thing he's trying to say in these verses. That's what you get from verse two. You're my Lord and you're my good Or in the words of verse five, God holds my lot and God is my lot. God decides my fortune and God is my fortune. God allots my inheritance and God is my inheritance. God governs my life and God is my life. It's both. He holds it all through the things that we love and the things that we don't love, through the easy days and the hard days. He's holding all of it, but he's the one. We follow and we walk with and we trust. He's the answer. And any other kind of Christianity, candidly, is a bunch of rules and regulations that will never satisfy. You wanna know why people might be leaving the church in droves as they're looking at it going like, listen, I don't need another set of rules. What they're looking for is this: God is my lot, he's my inheritance, he's my fortune. He's my life. It's not what I can produce. This life is about God. He's the treasure. It doesn't mean there aren't other treasures in this life. Beautiful ones, great ones. We've got wives and husbands and kids and families and friends and all of the beautiful things that we get from the Lord. They're great. It all just pales in comparison to the greatness of God verse 7. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. My heart also instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Why? Why shaken? Because from time to time, life, the things that are good, the blessings of the Lord, they get shaken. Things that are taken or things that are removed or The question will be, well, is our good in the things or is our good God himself? I was reading an interview with an author, a significant voice in the biblical counseling world. His name is Larry Crabb, great pastor, preacher, counselor. And he had this astounding confession, and it was like one that'll kind of tug at your heart it was in this interview and he was talking about how his brother uh, just the year before had died in a tragic plane crash. Uh, and his heart was broken. Uh, but he wasn't afraid to admit what I think is some, something every one of us ought to have an opportunity to at least the question be confronted with. And he said in this real and raw moment, he, he said, when I was at that time and I was trying to make sense of what happened, he said, I was cried out to God and he said, I know God, you are all I have, but I don't know you well enough for you to be all that I need. I'll say it again. I know God, you are all I have, but I don't know you well enough for you to be all that I need. And I just appreciate so much the authenticity. And I think the Lord loved and treasured Larry coming that way with that kind of realness to the Lord and just being able to say, listen, the measure of our satisfaction is the degree to which we can both trust and rejoice when things are shaken and all we have left is God. That's what I think Larry's trying to say. That's what I think David's trying to say. That's what I think you and I are being invited to believe in our own heart. Do I know him well enough? Do I know the God of the universe well enough that he is all I need? I would confess, I think there are days that's, not always true of me. I want to know the Lord more. I want to know the Lord more. I want to know him deeper. I want to know him truly. I don't want to be, there to be anything false in my understanding of him. It's what the Lord turned my heart upside down in those formative years with his goodness he is the treasure. He's the treasure. And I think that's the invitation for every one of us is Do you know him so well that he's all you need? That's the invitation. I don't think there's anyone out there, not Larry Crabb or David, or certainly not this pastor that's not saying there are so many great and beautiful things to enjoy and great pleasures to experience in this life that God gives and All all good thing, but the scripture says every good and perfect gift comes from the father of lights. Any good thing you and I get to experience is all from him. We don't have to acknowledge, we don't have to pretend like those things aren't out there and that we can't enjoy those things. But I just want my heart. I'm asking God to help me know him in such a way that he's all I need. Psalm 16, 9, therefore my heart is glad. Therefore my heart is glad. If you're if you are with me when all the things are shaken and I'm still alive, I'm still here, then therefore my heart is glad, and my whole being rejoices, my flesh also dwells secure which all those things are so meaningful. My heart is glad, right? That's why we hang with our best buds and get together and have dinners together, right? To have moments of gladness. We want gladness. It's good. That's a good thing, right? My whole being rejoices. That's why you go to football games and Taylor Swift concerts or whatever, right? So you're just like trying to, you're singing and you're lifting your hands and you're shouting and you want your whole being wrapped up in something. Come on. We're made in God's image. We're supposed to be this way. You're supposed to. My flesh is secure. That's why we have friends and spouses and family. We hold on. We want to be held and held on to. Those are the longings of the heart and the soul. We get to get tastes of them here in this life, but what David is saying is, I don't just have family and friends, and I don't just have concerts and football games. Those are great, sweet things, but you, because of you, my heart is glad. Because of you, my heart is secure. Because of you, my whole being rejoices. Pray to God we get come a church where you can't be in here without lifting your hands. It's not a litmus test for godliness. I just want our whole being to somehow be enraptured with Him. For you'll not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor let your Holy ones see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That's the defining text defining scripture, the defining way to begin to ask the question about this relationship that we have. In your presence is the fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Sometimes the pleasures come from your hand. Many blessings, we rejoice, but God, you are the one who holds it all. You're the answer to the cry of my heart. And until I see you as the Goal until I see you and being with you as the journey, I'll keep finding myself often shaken by the ups and downs of the circumstances of life. And the Lord's inviting every one of us into a relationship where we are shaken proof because He is all we need. And I'm grateful for the testimonies of men like David and the testimonies of men and women like Larry Crabb and others who have gone before us to say there really is a life in God where you get fullness no matter what. And the guarantee for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is you will have forever the fullness that comes from his presence and pleasures forevermore. And that's where we're headed. Hear this. It's coming a day where you and I are gonna see him face to face. It will be more, greater, the greatest pleasure you could ever possibly imagine. I know the general conventional wisdom is we get to heaven, we sit on clouds with harps. And you're just going like, listen, I can, you know, the, let's, the, you hear know, the, uh, is it the, the the old song uh, when we've been there ten thousand years right shining at the sun we'll sing we'll keep singing and you're going like I I don't even, I can't get through thirty minutes <laughs> on a Sunday morning going ten thousand years of singing man I I don't know God <laughs> and I thank I thank God for that that hymn but listen to me you and I have not began not begun to understand what the fullness of his presence and pleasures forevermore actually means. We are headed there, church, but it's not just in the one day out there. The invitation is for us to begin to taste it in the here and now. And so the question is actually only, will you today, in a fresh way, open your heart up to the fullness of his presence and pleasures forevermore. And say, God, there are some things that I care about. I care about my job. I care about my family. I care about my kids. I care about community. I care about church. I care about lost people. I care about all those things. And all those things are great. You have so many things you want to do and accomplish in all of those arenas. But first and foremost, you Hold my lot, and you are my lot, and you are my good. You hold my good. You are my treasure, and from that place, we can do all the things. God's got more for you to do and accomplish in your life than you could possibly imagine, but it's not gonna come from you doing great things for God. It will come from you getting to do things for the great God who's invited you. You guys stand with me. we're just going to close out with an opportunity to invite the Lord in. Just fresh invitation. Lord, we want to come to you right now. We finished this last couple of minutes. I'm just going to ask you to just... Uh, allow everything else just for a moment to melt away. And if it's helpful, would you just if, close your eyes? And if it's helpful for you, you don't have to do this, but as you position yourself to receive from the Lord, maybe hold your hands out. So we just wanna start, Lord, by offering to you the places of pain and the places of worry. The places where maybe we don't trust you. The places where we feel frustrated or fear. The circumstances or the lot that we have that we don't fully understand, would you just offer it as an act of worship to the God of the universe right now? Here's what I don't understand. Here's what I don't see, but I'm giving it to you. Offer it to him right now in your own heart of hearts. We worship you, here it is, Lord. Some of you feel lonely. You feel alone and you need to tell the Lord. You feel rejected and you need to tell the Lord. You feel hurt. I'm going just have a sense that maybe there's some that are just carrying some real disappointment. Things haven't gone the way that you maybe thought they would or maybe even you have some promises from the Lord that just have not come through yet and it's time to open your hands and offer it to the Lord and tell him, I'm disappointed. And just hand it over. It's your act of worship. Some of you feel overwhelmed. You've got so much going on. And it's time to open up your hands and offer it to the Lord. you come and would you give me right now your goodness make the exchange would you just receive the glad heart of the father his warm embrace over you he's never once left you and he's right here He wants to be with you right now. And tonight, when you're making dinner, he wants to be there with you. Would you invite him? Be with me right now. You are my good. Now, make the confession God, you are my good. You are my portion. You are my cup. You hold my lot. You are my treasure. Help me to trust you today in a fresh way like I never have before. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Say it again. I trust you, God. you are my good. Stir our hearts, Lord, with your goodness. There are so many beautiful things that you want to do in us and through us, God. Acknowledge it. The Lord has beautiful things he wants to do in you and beautiful things that he wants to do through you. But we aren't budging until You are a treasure. We're not doing it in our own flesh. We're not doing it in our own righteousness. We're not stepping out to accomplish anything apart from you and your presence. In your presence is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You are the treasure. So I ask God that all of our doing, all the things that we're meant to accomplish, all the ways that we're meant to bless others and care for people and pour out our lives, it all come from the overflow of your goodness. The overflow, I want overflow. Ask him for overflow, God. Every ounce of our need is in you. So show us what it means to walk with you. In the mundane, in the small things, you're there. We trust you. we have a few of our prayer partners available just to pray with you. If the Lord's doing something fresh in you, come pray. We wanna be a praying church. So let's partner with each other or maybe grab somebody that's in your community group or one of your study groups and just say, let's pray and ask for more got to offload this let's care for each other we'll have some par- partners up here i'm just going to pray the blessing of the lord as we go and i want you to receive it that the lord's face is here his presence is here and you don't have to leave here where his presence stays his presence will go with you the lord bless you and keep you the lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of Jesus, who's our King and our treasure, we pray. Amen. Amen. Love it. Blessings, guys. Love y'all. We'll see you next week. Prayer partners will be down for